Welcome to the Crypto Campfire. They know the Krabby Patty secret recipe, Mitch and the Professor. Featuring special guest, Jonathan Dunsmore. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Crypto Campfire Podcast. This is the Professor. And Mitch. And today we're going to be talking with Jonathan C. Dunsmore. He's a securities attorney at Dunsmore Law. But before we start talking to Jonathan, let's grab that crypto news from the Crypto Gent. Thanks, Professor. Hello, Crypto Campfire listeners, and welcome to the Crypto Currency News in a Flash with the Crypto Gent. South Korea considers 20% crypto income tax. Australian regulator gives green light to app-based retail Bitcoin fund. London-listed Argo blockchain reports tenfold increase in Bitcoin mining revenue in 2019. And Bitfinex investors' crypto lending startup posts $2.3 million in 2019 revenue. That's the cryptocurrency news in a flash with the crypto gent. And it's back to you, Professor. Thanks a lot, crypto gent. Samish, are you recovered from the holidays yet? I have. I am ready to take on the new year. Hell There's yeah. no question. I'm ready to get these podcasts rolling. I'm ready to start shaking and baking. Oh, yeah. Shaking and baking. Shaking and baking. I'm ready. You know, I'm, I'm like half ready. You know, I'm, half I'm ready, mentally yeah. 100% ready, but I physically have not recovered yet, which is funny because to say you haven't physically recovered from two weeks of doing nothing makes no sense. <laughs> but for some reason, I just don't have my shit together. That's all right. We'll get there. Exactly. So, Jonathan. You and I and Mitch all kind of sort of met happenstance at CIS in Los Angeles back in October. That was a good time. It was, Um, it was. The funny story for those listening, in case you didn't happen to see it when we went live on YouTube, we were actually just setting (laughs) up at Crypto Invest Summit in Los Angeles. And we were doing a test stream, like just to see if our stuff is even working because we had never set up a live stream like that before. So we're, we're set that up. We're sitting there doing the test and all of a sudden Jonathan comes walking up and we're like, well, hell let's just jump on a live stream right now. You're standing here. We're live streaming. Let's do it. And, and it was a good time, but we didn't get to talk for very long. So we're, we're definitely excited to get a little bit deeper and talk to you about the, the legal side of crypto and, and a few other things. So um, just in the typical campfire style, why don't we start with how you got into crypto and what you got you hooked on it? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I've, I've kind of become this weird, uh, you know, I had this initial experience. I, I, I put my toe in the water uh, back in the day, uh, probably what, 2011, 2012, uh, bought a little Bitcoin, lost a bunch of Bitcoin because, you know, wallets and oh, yeah. private keys and all that other kind of stuff, fun stuff. Um, and, you know, it, it became one of those things that was always an interest to me. I have a, an old uh, Facebook message where we were asking who, who we thought our bri- brightest uh, finance guy was of, you know, should we invest in this stuff and should we all put together some money and, and do a little mining operation? Um, this was around 2013. And his answer was a resounding no. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, we don't like that guy anymore, but uh, no, uh, he's a good guy. Um, but anyway, so yeah, I mean, how I guess I got reintroduced to it or, or kind of brought the, the legal side into it um, was, uh, you know, 2016, uh, if everybody can remember back that far, uh, I had clients kind of coming in and saying, hey, we're looking at raising money. We want to do this things called ICOs. And 
all this other stuff. And me as a securities attorney uh, who worked with startups, I, I was kind of freaking the hell out because uh, <laughs> I, I knew this was a security offering. And, uh, you know, we, you know, told our clients, this is not something we can do, unfortunately, you know, given the regulations, given uh, everything that's going on. Uh, and I have to admit, I was kind of closed minded because I had one client who kind of pushed me on it and been like, well, how would it work? And I was like, damn, that's a really good question. Uh, and, you know, considering our capital markets are for the most part really broken and, and uh, the SEC is starting to notice that um, as well as everyone else, um, you know, that kind of made me take the step back and look and see, okay, you know, how would this work? How would ownership work on a blockchain? What would that look like? What would verification look like? What would trading look like? What would all these different things look like? And I was like, you know what, this is really, uh, this really has some legs. I, I'm familiar enough with the technology to be dangerous. I know that the current technology needs to be upgraded. This sounds like something we should run with. And so kind of from there, uh, it's been growing and expanding and, We've been working with uh, companies all over the world, um, you know, trying to figure out either their projects and bringing them to the U.S. or finding U.S. investors. Or right now, we're dealing with a lot of regulatory issues, so we're clearing up, uh, you know, the uh, SEC subpoenas or CFT CFT subpoenas, um, FINRA issues, all these kind of fun things that have now kind of bled into the traditional capital markets using blockchain. So that's kind of how it all happened. Funny how it all just kind of starts somewhere and spirals, right? Right. It's just a nosedive in some ways. Like, it's just crazy how all this kind of happened. Yeah. And it's like, it's one of those spaces that no matter what industry you're, you're uh, experienced in or come from or even interested in, you can start down a crypto path of however you get into crypto and end up in your industry, but still in crypto. Like, it's, it's kind of a cool thing because it spans so far. It really does. And, and that's one of the things I like about crypto is that it seems to be one of those situations where as soon as someone learns about it, they're like, oh, this is cool. Right. Like, it's like yep. you guys are old enough that when you were teaching people how to use Wi-Fi, right. You're like, this is Wi-Fi <laughs> enabled. You're like, whoa, this is crazy. How, how am I on the Internet with no cords? Right. It's great. So like, you know, that's kind of the closest relation I can find to it. That's a really good one, though, because like, I'm, I mean, back in high school, I was running a computer tech business and building computers and setting up networks and stuff. and and that was like the height of when Wi-Fi was starting to really get good. Like wireless N had just come out and um, it was like, it was just so awesome. And people were finally being able to like have one router that went to your whole three-story house and it was all actually working. Yeah. And, and people were starting to become like, it's, it's actually convenient finally. And it blows people's minds and crypto is starting to get there. Like we, we still have a long way to go in the abstraction of the interfaces, but we are, we are getting really close. Like we actually have wallets that are simple and easy to use without any knowledge of what a private key even is. You know, we already have some of this stuff and it's just needs to be polished a little bit more, but um, we're, we're getting there. Yeah, I, I really think we are. And I, I I'm hoping uh, I was just talking to someone else about this, that we've got to get payments figured out. Uh, you know, that's kind of what we all got into this for, for, for some yes. reason. Um, and the fact that we don't have, you know, not necessarily a cash app like app, but, you know, for the most part, uh, especially on the, the B2B side, uh, there is no de facto winner. Um, and, you know, if we're going to take on people like Visa and all these other things, the industry has to move far along for that. Well, I agree. And I, I mean, that brings up the question, you know, it, and this is, I know my answer, but is crypto a currency or is it a speculative instrument to you? 
I mean, it really depends, right? Uh, if, if you're using it as Bitcoin, well, then it's a currency, um, you know, for the most part, right? Uh, it becomes this kind of weird speculative interest instrument if it's so decentralized and so, uh, you know, uncontrollable. And don't get me wrong, parts of Bitcoin are, but we, we do realize we still have to mine this stuff, right? Um, sure. And so once it becomes, you know, so just kind of out of whack or, or in, in any form or fashion, right, whether it's, uh, you know, kind of a mining operation or it's something where it's so centralized or so in theory decentralized, meaning that it's so uh, distributed across all of these different machines that, you know, we don't really know how it works anymore. But we just know it works. <laughs> um, that's where, you know, the, the, the name of the game could change. Um, and from a, a securities attorney perspective, we can't really have that happen, uh, especially for things that, you know, actually kind of quote unquote matter. So stocks, bonds, uh, you know, debt instruments, all these other kind of things can't be that speculative. But when it becomes something that is uh, a stable kind of asset, uh, you know, like these stable coins all over the place that nobody really uses, um, those are kind of one of the things that, you know, we know it's a currency. We need to treat it like a currency. We don't need to tax it. We don't need to do all this other kind of dumb things that some of these states and countries are looking at doing. Like we need to be responsible civic citizens. Uh, and, and that's where I think the rubber meets the road because most people can understand, okay, if I just act like this is a digital dollar, uh, you know, tax it as a digital dollar. Uh, but when you start getting into speculation, that's when the tax man goes, wait, wait a second, you're making money now. <laughs> I want some of it. Well, yeah, but I mean, at the same time, it's a currency. Okay, so let's let's take that one step further. It, the American dollar has a level of volatility, just not drastic, right? I mean, it's gone up and down in value and mostly down in value over the years. So if if for some reason and this is a hypothetical question if for some reason the american dollar went up in value from say let's say in current today's standards it's a dollar's valued at 60 cents realistically due to inflation if it goes up to 85 cents are we going to see a tax on that increase in value as as people that hold dollars in our bank accounts no no you're you're not you're not taxed on on your dollars that are increasing or, or decreasing right so if cryptocurrencies are being used as such currencies then the only taxation in my mind should be on the transfer of that asset to make a purchase so like a almost like a tax um and not a i want to say like a what am i looking for here a use tax or a, a sales tax there we go that's what well, i was looking for yeah, and and that's kind of where I you know have beef with. Like I, I think I think Bitcoin is so decentralized that it should be just treated as a currency. Like the the fact that the government wants to tax it is just kind of ridiculous. Like let these people have their money, especially when it comes to trading. Like anybody who does any type of trading, especially on scale, knows that your margins are basically razor thin unless you're just doing you know a long term hold plan and. That, that gets ridiculous at some point. You know what I mean? And in sure. order to do that kind of accounting, uh, especially on a blockchain, uh, while it should be simpler, it's much more complicated because most CPAs don't have an idea of what the hell a Bitcoin is, even though you know they know what it may theoretically be, but they don't know right. what the back-end mechanisms of it looks like. If I buy you know, 10 Bitcoin, that order may be filled you know, seven different ways. And so if that's what you know, occurs, assuming that I don't have a, a limit price or whatever, like, you know, there's, 
there's just so many hurdles to it that it just it's much easier if we just keep it simple and focus on you know nobody controls bit uh bitcoin even if we look at the mining operations and in theory you know you can throttle things up and throttle them down that's not really you know quote unquote controlling it right no it's so not right yeah so there's no real centralization of it there's no real way to i don't know shut it off or deflate it enough you know, we've got some whales out there and then, you know, some, in theory, there's some really mega whale kind of things. But it's one of those things where, unfortunately, uh, or fortunately, we're going to be able to eventually kind of track everybody down. Um, and when that kind of happens, it's going to be one of those situations where unless it's somebody who's, you know, not necessarily front running the market. And we know that there's a bunch of market manipulation issues within the crypto space. It's it's not something that I believe, uh, at least in my libertarian mind, like the government should even worry with right now because it's not something where how do I say this nicely? <laughs> it's not something the government should worry about because it doesn't really matter as much right now. And so, in order for it to evolve, we need for it to be kind of played with. We need for businesses to be readily able to accept Bitcoin, knowing that if Bitcoin crashes, they're not going to have to worry about all these, you know, tax losses and how to calculate that into their prices and all this other kind of stuff. It needs right. to be something where we're able actually to use this and see how this works in order to kind of facilitate these larger and hopefully more prosperous kind of next level solutions. Bitcoin for itself is exceptionally slow. It is exceptionally, um, <laughs> I don't know, it's, it's skewed in a lot of ways. There's a lot of really good things about Bitcoin, but there's a really oh, yeah. lot of things looking back. You can sell, you can see that this was, you know, gen one technology. And uh, I think anybody who kind of appreciates that uh, can, can see that this is more of a, a toy of experimentality than it is, an actual kind of, oh, I'm going to go pay my, you know, tank of gas with Bitcoin. Like, no, but, you know, it'd be cool to be able to buy things, in bit, you know, with Bitcoin on the regular. It'd be cool if you could go to Best Buy and go buy a brand new TV and, you know, cash out that way. But you can't, you, you know, there's no major retailers that readily accept all of these cryptocurrencies on mass and and don't get me wrong Gemini and some other guys are really kind of pushing that stuff out there but I have yet to see you know any of these kind of things done on on scale you can buy a car with it there's a couple of there's a few Ford dealerships in the northeast and one in uh, automotive dealership down in Oklahoma that you can actually purchase with. Oh yeah. There's, there's for major purchases. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Well, and they also take it for service. So like yeah. if you go in to have your car service, you know, they accept it uh, as payment because it's, you know, it's a currency and they, you know, they've, they've set it up to ways where when the transaction is actually done, they are given cash and not necessarily the actual crypto. So they don't have to deal with the volatility of the market, which, which helps, you know, give them a little bit of security that I'm not going to sell this for 0 0.05 Bitcoin. And then all of a sudden Bitcoin drops in value. So I just lost money, but because it automatically transacts in cash to them. So how, however they set it up, then, you know, they don't have that volatility we worry with as well as like with a visa transaction, you got, within six months, anytime in that six months, that transaction can be nullified by the, by the consumer and the merchants out the money. So yes. that equates to a lot of loss for them. But here's my biggest issue. And one of the reasons that I think we should be playing with Bitcoin 
and, and large purchases, fine, whatever, right? You know, mm-hmm. uh, but so I am going to this uh, conference, mass adopt, uh, yeah, massive adoption or whatever um, in Memphis. I, they have this I'm travel. Going there too. Yeah, the, uh, Jacob. They have this great little travel package for 500 bucks, right? But it's 497. So I sent Jacob, I think like, 508 right because not only between the time that i sent the money right um but because of i was worried about well i don't want to send them you know i don't want to shortchange him right because you know that's messed up um but also because i also you know i want to pay the bill um like i sent the money and by the time it gets to him you know i think it's like because everything's rising today because we just went to war um you know, it, it's up a couple bucks. Now, am I going to request a refund? No, that's, you know, for the most part, ridiculous. And is, is he going to send back the refund? Is, is he going to be like, oh, you, you know, got an extra couple of dollars here? Probably not. Like it's, it's not worth it for either one of us. I mean, maybe if, you know, the accounting is something that they're really trying to mon- monitor or something, who knows. But for, you know, when you talk about really large deals, like if I'm going to go buy a $4 million house, right. I'm going to use Bitcoin. If there's even a, a slight uh, bump in the market or, or decrease in the market by the time that transaction processes, guess what? We're going to have to do another transaction. And then it's going to have to be down to, okay, what does this mean? W- where are we? How much is left? <laughs> you just want to pay in cash <laughs> because we need stability, right? That's why stable coins are a thing. We realize that you don't want to process your hamburger or buy your TV or go pay for your car uh, and realize okay, uh, you know, whoever made the deal just got either less or more than they were supposed to get. That's not how business is conducted, at least successfully, right? Exactly. Stability is absolutely critical and stable coins are definitely going to help that. And I think one of the big things though, as far as onboarding payments to retailers is going to be just the actual payment processing companies themselves. Because I mean, yeah, sure. Like if you're sending Bitcoin one address to another, just as two guys, buying a ticket to, to massive adoption or whatever. Um, you're going to have that variation because you're just doing it the manual way. But now if you're a retailer and you're accepting crypto through your payment processor who auto converts that to USD, as soon as the payment is processed, that doesn't matter to you because you get $25, whether depending, regardless of what Bitcoin does during the time that transaction is being processed. Now, obviously when you start scaling that up, you start running into problems because as soon as you have all the retailers that, you know, are ready to do this and they're all these massive retailers are now taking crypto and you're auto converting it to USD for them. Now the payment processors are onboarding that risk and that's okay on a small scale, but as soon as you're dealing with massive transactions and, and, and huge scale quantities of retailers, that becomes a big issue. And until the stable coins actually can be trusted to be stable and we find maybe some better mechanisms of building stable coins because we're still at stage one with stable coins too, let's be honest. Once we can get there, then it's a lot easier and there's a lot less risk for payment processors and there's a lot less risk for merchants and it's going to look a lot better. But I still think we're good five to 10 years out on that. I, I hope not. If, if we're five to 10 years out, we're all screwed. Um, <laughs> right? It would be beautiful to think that we're going to have a perfect solution in two to three years, but we got to be realistic here. Like This is still a long-term thing. Getting retailers to adopt a whole brand new form of technology and getting... I mean, there's a lot that has to go into this. 
I don't think it's five years out, to be honest with you. With as fast as the way things happen anymore and as exponentially as things happen anymore, I don't think we're five years out. I think we're closer to two, but that's my opinion. Then again, of course, what's our definition of what we're trying to reach? Yeah. Are we, are we talking full mass adoption or are we just talking payment processors, major, major payment processors taking it on? I, I think that it's a matter of, you know, you said in uh, converting it to USD, right? Or converting it to dollars. Like therein lies, therein lies the hitch, right? If you're a payment processor or you're a merchant who's taking it through your payment process and you're having to convert it to USD because that's what you feel is safe, right? Then we're kind of foregoing the, the transactional value of Bitcoin and we're simply just transacting right you're giving me something of value for yeah uh, totally but i mean it's a transitional period right we're still we're right. still like you say gen one like we're we're at the base level of this and so there's going to be a long process of working from a trusted dollar system that we've built for however many years now into some new thing that most people who are alive right now of age to transact normally in the day-to-day -day world cannot even comprehend we've got a long ways to go so it's just <laughs> That's, that's kind of why I say, you know, talking about the USD, that's going to be the thing. Like if you're going to, it's going to be pegged to the dollar, whether it's a stable coin or a Bitcoin for quite a while. Guys, you know, I, right? I, I, we both, we all grew up, everybody on this podcast grew up with PayPal, right? Yep. 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 Like we, we saw how quickly that changed everything. It went Actually, from no, I, I grew up collecting from a paper route and it was all well, cash. Well, so well, but that, that, we, we saw, we grew up seeing the evolution of PayPal yes, is what I meant. Yes, I misspoke, uh, you, we saw it being from this weird, you know, oh, I'm not dealing with eBay or, oh, I don't need to buy anything off this exchange thing to, okay, I, I mean, I, I think I'm, I bought the most random thing the other day using a PayPal, uh, a, a running kind of, uh, I got a marathon coming up and I paid via PayPal because it was just one click. Like, why not? Like, that's right. what that's what we're going to see happen, but we're going to see the back end of that happen using stable coins because- right. We're just exchanging the same dollars. Like, that's all it is. Yeah, and I mean, that already exists. It's just not widely used, you know? Yeah, I mean, that, that's the craziest thing about it is, is it's not widely used. And that's yep. someone who deals with payments and, and uh, you know, still yells at my payment processor for, you know, getting hit with random fees. I'm like, mm -hmm. you guys are full of shit. Like, it's an education thing. And it's not even necessarily education, but just like a general understanding thing. You know, a lot of people are afraid of crypto from number one, because of the media. It's not where I'm going with this, but a lot of it because of just what they've seen and what they hear about it. And they think anything to do with crypto is scary. And, well, that, that's why I think it's important to play with it, right? Like, yeah, totally. Well, we got to use it. And, but, but then also because it's, it's, they don't get what the technology is. They don't understand how it can have value. They don't, they also don't understand how the dollar can have value, but they trust it because the government backs it, you know, like it's backed, backed by gold, whatever myth that they want to believe. And it's just what they've, they, they've grown up with that. They just know it. They trust it. Every time they walk into a store, if the price says $4, they hand the guy four $1 bills and they walk out with whatever it is. It doesn't matter that that $4 price tag used to be 25 cents 10 years ago. You know, they don't see that. They don't give a shit about that. It's just, it's what they know, it's what's safe. And, but like you say, that PayPal thing, that one click, the back end's gonna change, it's gonna be run on crypto. And until people don't know it's crypto, we're gonna have that problem. But as soon as it's just the next payment thing, sure, it's gonna run on a blockchain, but they're not gonna know or care because it's right. gonna be what's easy and it's gonna be what they trust. Yeah, I mean, guys, this, this has already you know, happened with uh, JP Morgan. So, I mean, 
they're, they're already doing back at house with their own stable coin. It's just all internal. Exactly. Right. So it's just, it's having it public facing. And I imagine there's somewhere, you know, we're going to find out probably later this year that it's already being used and we just don't even know it with God knows what kind of app or something. Um, so it's just <laughs> one of those weird situations where, you know, she may be already out in the wild right now. Oh yeah, totally. It's just, it's just a matter of finding the right people and building that audience and then starting to get people in. And, and then once you have that, if that killer app is out there, people start to find it then that's when the revolution happens and you start seeing the change you know i think i think the big a big part of all the adoption of this is going to be the boots on the ground you know the the people out there educating other people about what cryptocurrencies are um like this podcast for example or going to meetups or you know, going to different events that really aren't crypto related and talking about crypto, or like me today, walking into my AAA office and ending up having a 45 minute conversation with my agent about cryptocurrencies because I said, wow, it'd be neat if you guys took crypto for payment because I'd pay for my insurance with crypto. And it just started this conversation, you know, and the next thing I know he's like, you said you had a podcast. I mean, you know, let me listen to that. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to know more. So, you know, it's, it's that boots on the ground adoption and, and push for spreading information. Um, that's real information because we don't have really anything to gain or lose by spreading information. I, I completely agree. It's amazing how many times I've sat down with someone who uh, either thought I was perpetrating fraud or my clients were perpetrating fraud and I explained to them, you know, in specifics and, and language they understood, um, you know, how each part of the process works, whether it's payments, whether it's supply chain, you know, whether it's privacy, whether it's rights, all these kind of different fun things. Mm -hmm. And it's really exciting to see, you know, somebody grasp something um, and start to see the use applications because your experiences are different than my experiences and so on and so forth. There's a, I'm going to say this in a lot of things, but there's a Japanese quote that I really like. This is none of us are smarter than all of us. And so when you put a collective mind and you, you start, you know, learning new things, you find all of this new ways to interact and, and, and change the world. And blockchain is that change uh, when it comes to trust. It's that new, you know, developmental technology, just like the way the internet was. And so once we start building, being able to build out a better back end of, of our technology, I think we're going to start seeing a lot more trust. We're going to start seeing, you know, actual news reports that are based on real sources. And, and uh, you know, you see all these uh, Twitter accounts and things and, 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 you know, I respect people's privacies and maybe you don't want to be doxxed and stuff like that, but maybe you should, you should at least be verified if you're going to be spouting news sources, yeah. uh, especially political news sources, because I see all these, uh, you know, what have to be Russian trolls <laughs> with like, you know, Karen six, nine, four, nine, two, nine, three, nine after their name. <laughs> and you're just like, I, you know, reverse image search the, the, the image and it's some, you know, grandma who died, you know, 10 years ago in Omaha or something. And you're just like, Twitter, what are you doing, man? Like Jack Dorsey understands this stuff. Why isn't Twitter the most robust, secure, privacy enabled, identification enabled platform in the entire world? If that happened, that would change the face of not only trust interactions, but privacy interactions. Because once you know who you're dealing with, once you actually know this is Jonathan Dunsmore on the line, right? 
then you can start doing really kind of cool things when it comes to, you know, scaling internationally and doing, you know, really kind of fun business transactions, right? If I want to buy a piece of property in another country, how the hell do I know not this guy is not going to screw me over? Oh, well, it's on a blockchain. This blockchain is verified by their government. As long as I know that that government's not going to, you know, hopefully just say, nope, our guy's right, then everything goes through. Right. Awesome. That's awesome. That's exactly what we need. So that, that kind of brings up an interesting topic. What are your thoughts on actually using a blockchain for a verification of identity? And do you think non-fungible tokens play an important role in that? I do. I, I, I'm Identity is one of those kind of, it's chicken and egg, right? You want payments, but you also need identity because uh, for terrorist financing, for uh, child exploitation, uh, you know, illegal drug running, regardless of your stance on drugs, like, all of these bad things still exist in the world. We're, we're humans, we're monkeys in clothes. This stuff's not going away. And so if we can build a society in which things kind of operate and we build systems in which we're able to trust, and I know there's a logical flaw in there that you know we're building something imperfect, therefore it's imperfect. But if we can build uh, systems that are close enough to being perfect, meaning they're as perfect as we have in real time, right? So you can identify me because I can open my camera right now and you can see who I am. That looks like the guy. Uh, you know, there's no kind of screen imagery. There's no deep fake kind of scenario here because it's real time. That gives you the ability to say, okay, this number or this, you know, call is Jonathan Dunsmore. That means I can do all kinds of cool things over the internet. Once I have that little NFT that says, this is me, this is my blue check mark, this is whatever you want to give me, <laughs> right? I can take this to go to the bank, I can go, uh, you know, take out a loan, I can go get a mortgage, I can go vote, I can go, you know, <laughs> pick up some kid at school. Like uh, the other day, I was picking up a nephew and didn't have, wasn't on the permission slip. So it looked like I was kidnapping a kid. Like <laughs> you got to have these kind of things, right? Like it's one yeah. of those situations where you want to know that kids get in the right car. Cause this is an evil world as well. But like just having that, just having that simple, okay, we've got this process. We're able to identify this person, even if it's uh you know, kind of peer to peer base and then has, you know, this weird peer review kind of thing that they're thinking about. Um, like just playing around with it, developing this technology is so important. Figuring out how to break it, how to rebuild it, how to put it back together. You know, we're infallible. So some of this stuff is not going to work. We just said that Bitcoin is really great in a lot of ways, but also doesn't work well in a lot of ways. I'm not going to pay for a snicker bar with it. Like it's not going to work well. Um, uh, it worked perfectly, but everybody else behind me is going to get pissed while it clears. Um, so like we've got this awesome opportunity uh, in life right now to really build some solutions that will probably be around for a while. Um, you know, the Internet was created in the 70s um, and it took 30 years before it became real mainstream. I don't want to see that happen here. And I don't think that's going to happen here because we all kind of see the benefit of it. And thanks to the Internet, we're able to kind of you know, move things along faster. But yeah, I think NFTs are, are going to revolutionize this entire world. Totally. And that's like exactly why, you know, the, the technology curves are exponential, right? Like we, you start building more tools and then you can use those tools to leverage your next tool and then it just goes faster and faster and faster. And that's what we're seeing here is the, the internet is one of those next level tools that's just helping us accelerate just with the communication. And like you said before, that quote um, about none of us, being smarter than all of us, you know, that is exactly that. And as soon as you can put the whole world together, 
And I know that that's obviously not realistic to whole people, but as soon as people can start connecting all over the world and collaborating, you have magic that happens compared to just 20 or 30 years ago. Like even 20 years ago, we didn't have shit for, for video conferencing or anything. You know, you might've been able to send some text messages over chat rooms, you know, and send videos or pictures or whatever, sort of, but yeah, yeah, we've come a long, long, long way in, in 20 years. I'm going to tell a quick anecdotal story. I was in Japan this time uh, last year and this time 10 years ago. Uh, And I ran up a $400 phone bill uh, 10 years ago uh, in Japan without realizing it. Um, And now when I travel, I have WhatsApp, I have Telegram, I have a thousand different apps at this point. It's almost gotten too many uh, to communicate with people almost in real time, if not real time, with video chatting or voice chatting uh, anywhere in the globe. And that's just unheard of. Like you said, it's absolutely unheard of. So 10 years from now, oh, we will have all of this figured out and I'll be able to vote wherever I am in the world and be able to buy property wherever I want in the world and hopefully be able to buy uh, you know, reliable businesses anywhere I want in the world. And it's just gonna be so much more profitable. It's gonna be so much more secure. People are gonna have such a great, um, they're going to have such a great life because we're going to be able to divide uh, and and do microtransactions for things like privacy rights for, uh, you know, even your own identity. If I want to tell Google who I am, what my date of birth is, what my race is, what my, you know, preference is, all these kind of things, uh, Google should pay me for it. You know, if you want to sell this to advertisers, give me, give me some of the money. Um, and that's going to be really cool to just kind of get a dividend check uh, every quarter. Being like, yeah, you guys have some some information on me, but I use DuckDuckGo anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bam, there you go. So, are you? A, I gotta ask you. It's a little off topic, but are you a Marvel or a DC guy? I am. I am definitely a Marvel guy. Yes. Um, I, I the the DC universe is really really awesome, um, but DC in and of itself is just not well put together um, right. and Kevin, Kevin Feige is, is going to go down as uh, arguably one of the greatest. Um, I don't remember what his exact title is, but whatever he is over there <laughs> is just uh, incredible. Um, and if DC is ever able to figure out who their person is and, and, you know, get a real big backing from Sony or somebody um, that's when we're going to see some really cool things because, you know, this is, we're, we're monkeys, right? We're, we like competitiveness. <laughs> and so if Marvel's crushing it, DC's kind of like, oh, we're going to try, we're going to try, but uh, you got to really get into it. And I saw uh, Robert Downey Jr. sign, or not Robert Downey Jr. Uh, Jesus, what's his name? Signed up to be, Colin Farrell signed up to be uh, the Joker, or not the Joker, the, uh, the Penguin. Um, okay. And so like, you're starting to get kind of that, all right, let's get that co- competition back. And once you kind of get those kind of cool uh, rivalry things, then you start really seeing people compete. And that's what I get excited about because, you know, Coke needs Pepsi and Pepsi needs Coke. It's that kind of, that's a bad analogy, but it's that kind no, of duality <laughs> that, you know, really kind of makes things interesting. It's, I think it's a perfect analogy, right? It is. I mean, Actually, it totally is. Yeah, you got you got to have competition, or how are you going to improve? Right. Exactly. I, I Without competition, guys, we all get complacent. Yeah, I just think that uh, Coke's got a really unfair market share. 
Uh, <laughs> you can find a Coke in the goddamn Zimbabwe jungle, I swear to God. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'll talking about people who either. understand supply chain and, and probably under, understand payments better than anybody, it's Coca-Cola. Um, right. And why they aren't, you know, messing with blockchain and why aren't they figuring out how to do all their supply chains and stuff like that yet? Because they don't need to, because they've got it figured out. So if, if you're a Marvel guy, then who's your who's your favorite character? That's a good question. Um, I, I am not sure I can I can honestly pick one. Uh, I, I'm I'm a huge fan, and this sounds cliche, but I'm a huge fan of Iron Man because he's. Yes. <laughs> he's just he's just a rich guy right and and rich guy boy. well but he, that's attainable uh you know if, if right if, but that also is like the once again kind of like the libertarian kind of like uh liberal in me like you should never be that rich that you could become a superpower <laughs> and that's kind of what he did right like and, and don't get me wrong he's super intelligent but like we've all seen that, you know, if you, if you have unlimited resources, uh, you have that kind of weird dichotomy, uh, uh, in life and as well as in everything else where you could do something really good with it, or you could do absolutely nothing. You know, if, if, uh, if you're really rich and you don't have a care in the world and you have uh, no purpose in life, you can go, you know, bury your face in a pound of cocaine and nobody cares because everything's paid for it. Or you could, you know, be a Robert Downey Jr. Iron Man-esque person and, and you know, try to, you know, do really cool things and, and go around and be Iron Man and uh, help small kids and, and save the, the world. Yeah, show up and save the world. So right. I, I, have a, I have a fondness for Iron Man, but there's, you know, there's something awesome about being able to be so mad as hell as Hulk and just be like, we have a Hulk, you know what I mean? Like, that's just <laughs> an awesome line. <laughs> All I can say is one day I'll grow to be Iron Man. Just you watch. That that is a that is a noble goal, sir. That is a noble goal. <laughs> I mean, Batman is kind of the same thing, right? Just a rich dude with a whole bunch of fucking tech. That, I mean, that's what it boils down to. Is is if you're rich enough, you become a superhuman. Uh, so you know, yep. we should probably tax rich people a little bit more in this country because that would probably help some things. But uh, yeah, for the most part, uh, I mean, it's not unreal. I mean, that's true. Like in in the real world too. It's not just in the movies, right? Like, yeah, it's crazy. These people get shit tons of money and and not only power from the influence of the money but you can literally manufacture physical power you know i mean you can there are iron man suits sort of kind of right now in existence but you know what i mean yeah. like you can put shit tons of fucking money at all sorts of crazy stuff and and you you make your own power yeah i mean that, that's the thing is uh, my biggest argument for when uh people you know oh we shouldn't tax people all rich people don't have preferences and all that stuff and and I say, well, I can, you know, there's people that can buy any type of uh, citizenship they want. Almost every country in the world has a, you know, uh, I can't remember what it's called in the U.S. It's, it's not an EB-5, but it's kind of like an EB-5, um, where, you know, you simply just pay a fee and you become a citizen. <laughs> there's no ifs, ands, buts. There's no building a business. There's no nothing. You pay a fee and guess what? Here's your passport. Here's, you know, whatever you need. So when you start are when you, you reach that and that's not re really that high it's only you know generally a couple hundred thousand possibly a million bucks depending on where you're at like that's that's just that's a low level of worth before you start really kind of changing the world and so that's one of the also things about blockchain that really excites me because you know us as americans uh while we are very entrepreneurial and very uh we like to believe we're very entrepreneurial but um you know we like to get out there and get after it there's a lot of really innovative people outside of this country and so if we can throw a little bit of our money uh you know ten twenty forty thousand dollars their way 
and, and start seeing the exponential returns on that, that's where we start really doing some cool things because not only are you, you know, possibly changing the economic course of a country, um, but you're also really kind of changing the economic course of the people in that country. And that's just, you know, as a human being, pretty awesome uh, when you're making other people's lives better because, you know, instead of donating, you know, $10,000 or whatever you donated, are you invested $10,000 and now you've created, you know, 20,000 jobs or, or uh, 20 jobs and, you know, they're actually uh, creating a business, right? Like they've got an actual business up and running and that's something that's really cool. So Jonathan, let me ask you this. Have you seen the, um, the seed movement? The seed movement, no. Okay, so there's a, there's a thing that started up a little while back and uh, a friend of ours, Red Cat Life, used to plant these seeds all over the place. And what a seed card is, is it's a, basically just like a business card size piece of paper and it says, uh, be your own bank on it, right? And it's got mm. QR codes on it, uh, let you scan the QR code to learn about cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin, Litecoin, um, and this thing has really blossomed and grown into this big deal and this big thing. And I don't know if you're familiar with change angel at all, but so what they did is they, they actually created this map, this seed map, and it's an interactive map. And if you go to changeangel.io, you can see this, this map there and see all of the cards that have been planted, all the seeds that have been planted throughout the world. And it's, it's really neat. And I like to, I like to turn people to this and let them see what these communities and the boots on the ground are doing for the spread of adoption of cryptocurrencies, because it's, it's that grassroots way of doing stuff. You know, yeah. um, you know, there's a lot of people that are maximalists and say, Oh, you can't spend your Bitcoin. And you know what? I'm not a maximalist. I'm into crypto and I believe in crypto, but I also believe that the only way to really get the ecosystem working is to get out there and, and, and make it happen and spread the word and actually use it and get it into the ecosystem. Um, you know, so if you're going to go spend 200 bucks on something, why not buy $200 worth of crypto and use that crypto to make the purchase if you can kind of a thing. Yeah. I, this is very fascinating. I'm playing with the map right now. Um, Isn't that neat? Th- yeah. One of the things I do, uh, especially when I go to bigger, uh, what are these things called? Crypto conferences. Um, yes. You know, you get, they've always got generally some exchange there. Um, and up in Toronto, most recently uh, was the one that they had a bunch of, uh, you know, you sign up, you get $10 and in, in free Bitcoin or, or Ethereum or something. Um, and I took a stack of them. Uh, the, the guy there didn't remember me from last, last year, but the guy last year gave me like 500 of them. Um, but, you know, I started tearing them up and open them and stuff like that. He's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I give these to all my Uber drivers and, you know, bartenders and all that other kind of stuff. And (laughs) it's amazing. uh, What what happens when you are in an an Uber or you're talking to a bartender or your uh, servers, you know, just, you know, anybody uh, you're interacting with, especially in a new city, right? Because you generally are out more. Um, or who are like, oh yeah, I've heard of this. I've, 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 you know, you know, this is cool. I've always wanted to, you know, uh, learn about it, or I never knew anybody who was in it, or you know, it's right. you know, not necessarily taboo, but you know, it's not one of the things that unless you're into crypto, you run around talking about how into crypto you are. 
Um, and so it's, it's really cool to see, you know, their interactions with people. And some of them are like, yeah, thanks, man. Like, I'm never going to use this. You can tell. But, you know, for the most part, there's a lot of real interest in it because people have heard about it at this point. Um, it's funny because the ones that say that now within five <laughs> years will be kicking themselves going, shit. Yeah. He had an opportunity. Guy, he really, <laughs> yeah. He said to listen to him. Exactly. And we've had some really good conversations in Ubers, though. I mean, like in, in L.A. alone at CIS, oh we had – like so many crazy interactions, like everybody we talked to, I, I think there was uh, one or was that in Vegas? It might've been in Vegas. One of the two events, there was only one person that didn't get like super excited about what we were talking about. Yeah. And it was so cool to talk to these people that are like, yeah, I have family back in, in this country and I send them money, but it, it cost me, you know, $15 to send them 500 bucks. And you know, that's another good use case of crypto is sending money like that, you know, it doesn't matter if it's a little bit less when it gets there, but, um, or, you know, sometimes it gains, but, and, and then what was the other one, uh, Mitch, the guy that worked at Nike? Um, oh yeah. And he was in the marketing for Nike at one point, wasn't he? He is actually working for marketing for Nike in the marketing department right now, or at least when we talked to him, he was, Yeah. Um, and he was telling us a story about, uh, getting into Bitcoin at once and losing his got hacked or something like that i think it was that guy and had a bad taste about it and then thought it was all about uh the mafia and and <laughs> yeah. all that kind of crap and then was finally starting to, to go okay well maybe actually maybe this isn't such a bad thing maybe it's a real thing and i haven't seen the whole picture and when when their eyes like change a little bit and you can tell it in their voice we, we've actually live streamed a few of these interactions on twitter but um you, you can hear it in their voice and they get excited and it's almost like a little bit of hope forms, you know, like maybe this isn't all we have for payment systems. I mean, maybe we don't have to be fucked by the system continuously. And that's a cool thing. It is a really cool thing. Before we wrap up here, I got one more question for you. All right. So you have to pick a movie. Okay. And you can keep one actor or actress in the movie, but everybody else is Muppets. Which Ooh. movie is it? So it would have to be uh, Van Wilder, and I would, of course, keep Brian Reynolds, and then I would nice. add everybody else be Muppets. <laughs> nice. That's amazing. Yeah. I love it. That was a great quick answer. Oh, my yeah. God. You're amazing. I didn't, I didn't prepare for that. They didn't give me the answer beforehand. No. Uh, but yeah, no, We're going to have to talk to Rebecca. I think, that's, I think it's she, real. Yeah, she didn't feed me that. She didn't feed me that, I promise. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, that so would funny. definitely be it. That would, I, I think amazing. actually we should pitch that to him and see if that's he'll do a redo. Yeah, that's a great idea. I think him, he would be perfect. In fact, he's, it wouldn't surprise me if he's already done one with the Muppets. He might be in a movie with the Muppets. Right. I was going to say anybody, any movie with Nicolas Cage, I think that would be so uncomfortable that it would just be amusing. I, I think so too. I, I, I would pay to see that. <laughs> yeah, that would Not be 60 seconds with all Muppets except for Nicolas Cage. With all Muppets, <laughs> yeah. Or something like, a, what was the... Um, uh, Ghost Rider uh, with all Muppets, but him. Oh, Ghost yeah. Rider. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, like, what the hell did I enter? I was, I was thinking something like that. The Transporter. That oh, would be yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. That'd be real. With Jason Statham. Yeah, just yeah. keep Jason Statham and everybody yeah. else Muppets. That'd be awesome. What, what about this? Jason Statham is a Muppet, but his girlfriend in the movie. Oh, yeah. I, I, could, I could get behind that. I could see yeah, that. Definitely. That almost sounds like we're going down a weird rabbit hole. That's, yeah, yeah. that's, that's where you get different kind of listeners, guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <Reverse>. <laughs> well, 
Oh, this was a great podcast. Thank you so much, Jonathan. It really been a pleasure talking with you again. Um, I look forward to seeing you in Memphis. That'll be cool. I'm, I'm uh, getting excited about going to that. Yeah, yeah, guys. I'm I'm really pumped up about this year. I think there's going to be a lot uh, of really great things accomplished. I think uh, we left 2019 and, and everybody's kind of like, you know, it was a tough year. We got some things done, but it's still not enough. And so I'm hoping 2020 is the year that we really kind of knock it out of the park. And uh, But you know what? We're still here. We are. And that's, that's the most half important the battle. Thing. Yeah, that's winning the uh, the uh, battle in, in endurance is uh, absolutely critical in this stuff, especially when we're going against incumbents like Visa. And, you know, right. Well, if you if you quit, you can't win. That's true. That's true. It's, it's just it. All right, Jonathan, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was a pleasure. No, guys, thank you for having me. This has been absolutely wonderful, and I, uh, I appreciate your time. Absolutely. Definitely, man. We'll talk to you soon. You too. Bye. Well, guys, this was a great podcast. I don't know, Professor, what would you think? I had a lot of fun talking to Jonathan. That was awesome. Yeah, I had a great time, and it was really cool to get a little bit deeper with him on some of the topics. We, we only had like 10 minutes with him in Los Angeles, so that was, that was definitely awesome. And his answer to the Muppet question came rather quickly. And I really, really am sus- uh, suspicious. Suspicious? Yeah. 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 How did he get that that quick? That How was crazy. That? How did he get that? But, you know, yeah. whatever. I mean, it was a good one. I think that – can you imagine being just surrounded by Muppets? I can't. Especially Miss Piggy. That would drive <laughs> me nuts. Just a whole sea of Miss Piggy things. Oh, gosh. Oh, the nightmares. Shit. The nightmares. Close this out. End the nightmares. All right, let's do it. Guys, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Um, really enjoyed talk, talking with Jonathan. We're glad you guys are here. If you get a chance, you know, check out your nearest coin flip ATMs. Uh, coin flip is the easiest way to, to put money into cryptocurrencies. And if you have somebody that you're trying to show them how cryptocurrencies work, the ATM is actually the easiest way to do so. So if, you, if you're around a coin flip ATM, check them out. 100%. And it's, it's really cool to watch people's face when they don't, you know, you take a, take a family member to the crypto ATM and they don't really get the concept of like, they still don't really believe it's money. And then you, you send the transaction from your Bitcoin wallet and it comes out as cash. And mm-hmm. they're just like, what? Holy shit. It really does work. Yeah. And then they're hooked and that's it. So yeah, get, get your friends, get your family into it. Um, there's a map on coinflip.tech. You can check out and see where any locations are near you. Um, if you don't see one, go talk to your local stores and business owners and see if there's anybody who wants to put one in their business. They'll pay you to do it. Um, and it's a great way to help spread the word about adoption and, and getting crypto out there. That's right. And this is not financial advice. Or is quick, it? Di- quick disclaimer there. Or <laughs> is it? financial advice. Right, right. All right, guys. Have yourself a great night. We'll talk to you soon. Take it easy. Yeah.